Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to this episode. We're in week two of the podcast and I'm excited uh, to have you listen in on a conversation between me and Austin, another student at Fuller. Austin and I have become good friends and we just engage around what it means to be master's students in theology in kind of a post-Christian world in America. And I think there's some good practices here that add value to our lives as we think about theology and God and what it means to be Christians today. Hope you enjoy. All right, uh, we're here at Fuller Theological Seminary, and it's another podcast of Value Add, conversations and reflections that add value to your life. And I'm here with my friend Austin. So Austin, um, we've had two classes now together. Actually, we're just wrapping up the second one. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, where did you come from? What brought you to Pasadena? Awesome. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, I moved from Boston a little more than a year ago to come to Fuller. Drove across country with my wife. Um, originally from Philadelphia area, but I uh, went to school in Boston. And uh, I'm currently enrolled in the MDiv program. I'm in my fourth quarter, although I'm taking it part-time because I also teach music part-time in L.A. at a private school. Um, but it, what initially attracted me to Fuller was I really wanted to be at a place that kind of seemed like it was an in-between space and not established yet, but really responding to a lot of the challenges I think American Christianity is dealing with. Mm. There's kind of a phrase in the LA area that Biola kind of thinks Fuller is too liberal mm-hmm. and Claremont School of Theology thinks Fuller is too conservative. So I kind of felt like Fuller was a good place to be right in the middle. Um, yeah. And the other thing that attracted me with it is not only did they seem to value the arts, like I said, music mm-hmm. is something I really care about, but also they had all these emphasis you can have tagged on with your MDiv or Masters of Theology. And one of those was in Islamic Studies. Mm-hmm. which is something I've always been fascinated with, just an understanding of world religions, specifically in the Middle East, through Islam. So no other evangelical seminary I know of kind of offers this sort of in-between and responding to the challenges and the opportunities, not just challenges, that I think American Christianity is faced with and kind of has such a wide array, array of attacking and asking, what is theology? How do we see God in the world? So I'm glad to be at Fuller. It's very interesting to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, as I as I think about what drove me to Fuller, um, <laughs> really not the quite the depth that you have uh, of thinking and being critical about other institutions. I, I think I kind of went for, like, oh, yeah, Fuller's a big name. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know that that's like really well respected. I no, think I'd like to go somewhere where people yeah. are going to go, you got a degree from Fuller. Right, okay. no, that's a valid point too. That's a motivation as well for me. So, uh, Well, no, no, I, I don't want to take away. No, it uh, sounds like a really neat thing. I mean, uh, I feel like we met kind of under interesting circumstances. We were sitting in a class just a couple rooms uh, away from here. Right. And uh, I'd say in many ways we're, uh, we both wear glasses, um, we're, you know, we're kind of the typical of undergr- undergrad to uh, graduate studies um, people 
white guys right, um, right. that are trying to study theology and become uh-huh. pastors mm-hmm. uh, that a seminary you would think of. But we were in a classroom full of people who were not at exactly. all like us. Right. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a good time. Um, even got thrown into a vocational formation group. Right. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we might even bring some reflections about that in. But I'm, I appreciate our friendship, um, specifically when it comes to the podcast, because you've introduced me to several other podcasts. I think mm-hmm. one of the first conversations we had was, uh, something had come up about my church tradition being the Churches of Christ, mm-hmm. and you were familiar with the Churches of Christ, which shocked me because I was not <laughs> sure anybody is familiar with the Church of I Christ. I wasn't until podcasts. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you. You uh, you listened to several podcasts, but uh, let's start with Newsworthy with Nordsworthy yeah, since that's sure. the one that brought us together. Yeah, I do not recall how I first was introduced to Newsworthy with Nordsworthy, but I just remember as soon as I listened to the first couple podcasts, just really enjoying kind of, I don't know, how organic he was. And he wasn't all buttoned up in his presentation. And he got a ton of really kind of uh, formative voices, which I was surprised about. You know, he had N.T. Wright on for a while. He gets Pete Enns on. He has a ton of famous theologians. And I was, his style was something that attracted me first. And then going on to it, I was really captivated by how he seemed to be, come out of, I think he was Abilene Christian yeah, Abilene Christian was, University, yeah. So he was coming out of that experience and forming his theology, but you could tell that he is wanting to to progress and move forward and kind of think, to challenge kind of his approach to theology. And for me, as someone who's coming from a, it was just non-denominational background, but very informed by a very uh, conservative approach, wanting to now kind of look down that path and see kind of the dialogue that's happening there. He was kind of that perfect person to kind of help me down that. So I really enjoy, yeah, Northworthy's podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the guy I work with, Brian Shackman, and some others, um, actually and a previous guest on the podcast already, um, uh, Zach Lubin, started their master's degree program uh, at Abilene. And uh, I think Brian did his uh, degree with Jonathan Stormont and, oh, okay. and Luke Norsworthy. Oh, um, and they're in a preaching group together. And so, uh, if you will, we joke about them being the bigwigs in the Churches of Christ. Nice. Um, and uh, so there's probably a little bit of me going, I- I'd like to do a podcast. I, I-, I can do what um, Norsworthy does, but yeah. I know I can't. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to learn a little You're bit working, from him. Working your way towards it. It's great. That's right. That's right. So, uh, obviously, that, that podcast is uh, helpful in many ways for the same reasons yeah. uh, in my life, because he's talking about and kind of bringing my traditions, heritage, into conversation with others mm. and formative voices. So, mm. um, but you, you didn't just introduce me to that podcast, and then it was kind of like uh, several others that you use, that you've listened to, um, and I, I've tried to kind of incorporate at least a few of them. I haven't gone as, as deep as you into some of them. But uh, tell us a little bit about some of the other podcasts that uh, add value to your life. Yeah, I also I also have listened to, for quite a while now, uh, Homebrewed Christianity's podcast. Uh, it's kind of led by a, a guy named Trip Fuller. And I believe he's doing his doctoral work at Claremont School of Theology, which is right down the road from us. Um, but uh, once again, I, I don't recall how I got connected with Trip, but... Again, kind of <laughs> thinking of podcasts as a little bit of uh, stepping stones for me. 
I think Newsworthy's podcast is kind of a small step into kind of where are Christ where's Christian theology going? Mm -hmm. We'll use the term in progressive ways and kind of becoming a little more engaged with how do we move to where God is speaking to us next. And Trip Fuller, as far as a stepping stone in homegrown Christianity, is a bigger, bigger step. Mm. So I'm trying to get all these arrays of steps and... I think homebrewed Christianity is a really large step, very progressive, um, but the way that he presents it is very down to earth for me, and I can understand it. You know, they this is where I get I got introduced to process theology. Um, it's where I got introduced to people like John Cobb, and I was just very engaging once again, trying to form myself from different kind of. Uh, Voices, not just ones that I am comfortable with hearing, but mm -hmm. ones that are even further out. Yeah. So before we, we go on to the other podcast, because I, I think this one probably is the most stark for both of us since I have um, gotten on to homebrewed myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually have a friend um, who who's introduced me to homebrewed as well oh, okay. I, I, after I think we had talked about it. And um I'd like to say that I listened to it right after your recommendation, but I think it took a while for me to kind of go, oh, there's multiple people are saying I need to listen to this guy. Yeah. Um, and so I'd just love for you to just take a second and try and express, like, what, what is Tripp trying to say about his podcast when he calls it homebrewed? Like, what, mm. what is he trying to get people to, to do with that? Because I, I feel like um, he's being really intentional with... Mm -hmm who he brings on and how he does it. Um, he is progressive, but I do mm -hmm. think there's something about um, his style that is attractive to me as a, as a podcaster, as right. a thinker. Right. Um, yeah, I think for him, I, I mean, once again, I mean, as a common narrative, he came from a very conservative background as well, I think in North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Um, but I think because he has a connection, he's very conscious of, how, what is just my, what is the look of my presentation of theology? Is it highly academic? Mm. Is it confrontational? And no, because I think he has such a connection with family members and the roots in, mm -hmm. in conservative spheres and more conservative parts of the country that he wants to be able to relate these new things that he's learning in a way that is uh, approach, approachable. And I think it's just a de-escalation. I mean, obviously when you're at a bar or you're just drinking or eating, usually people have commonality right there, and then you can talk and kind of, it de-escalates the situation. Now, it's homebrewed, so I think beer also plays something in Tripp's presentation, which is helpful. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the de-escalation is kind of what he wants to get on for homebrewed Christianity. Like I said, he, he and multiple other theologians, I know Monica Coleman, who works at Claremont, she wrote a, a really helpful book on process theology and it's just so understandable. And you wouldn't, as for me, who's new to this, you wouldn't think that people who are already down this road, like I said, in a bigger step than I am, present this material in a way that, oh, you know, this, this makes sense, or I'm at least able to grasp it. So I think they do a good job with pedagogy. Yeah. Not over your head. So. No, for sure. And I think that's um, my attraction to it, too. I think he actually is doing, like, a set of books, a homebrew right. uh, set of of uh, theology books or commentaries or something like that uh, that I find I'm probably going to try and get to my bookshelf at some point, yeah. maybe 
maybe ask my wife for them for Christmas right, or there something. You go. Um, but yeah, like he said, and, and I love his his view of of uh, brewing your own, you know, spicy, yeah, you know, zesty, right? zesty, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Your zesty uh, craft beer versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, the mass market uh, big right. breweries that. You know, bot that can it all or whatever versus mm-hmm. you kind of get to take what he's putting out there and and mix your own right. Christianity, which may feel a little postmodern and and those kind of things yeah. and like we say maybe a little more further down the road than we want to go. Right. Um. But like you said, I think that that pedagogy is really really important. Um. Maybe we'll maybe that's something we gotta do together, like get our wives and go to theology beer camp or something. That'd be nice. That'd be kind of a fun trip. <laughs> It would be a trip. <laughs> uh, student. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Um, let's see. Uh, so the, a couple other podcasts that you were telling me about. Yeah. Um, the Bible for Normal People. I think that's Yeah, that answer. one has been... That's a podcast I've been listening to the most of late. I think it started maybe in the summer. So this is Pete Enns, who... Um, well... If you want to look up Pete Enns, you can, but he had a very dramatic departure from a very prominent uh, seminary in Pennsylvania because of his uh, thoughts on the Old Testament and where his theology was going. But now I know he teaches at Eastern uh, University just outside of Philadelphia, which is where near where I'm from, so mm, I just had yeah. that connection. But him, Pete Enns and Jared Bias uh, do this podcast, and it's, it's what it says. It's the Bible for normal people. And what I love about it is it's not just Christian perspectives. Um, Pete Enns is an Old Testament scholar, but he brings on not even secular voices, Jewish voices, to articulate how do you approach the Bible. And within Christianity, it is not just an evangelical, evangelical approach either. You know, you get feminist theology, you get liberation theology, you get all of these... Uh, these theologians or scholars that are approaching the Bible in a different way in every episode you just get like it's kind of like turning the gem you get a new little advantage advantage point of how do you read the Bible what are elements you have to incorporate what are things that you have to pay attention to Um, so it's just been so helpful for me and I remember I started listening to it when I was taking BI 500 which is an interpretive practice course here at Fuller and uh, it was just so helpful see all these different ways of reading the Bible that are faithful, mm-hmm. that are faithful, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's probably the thing that we don't want to, like, put an asterisk next to this podcast and be like, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about departing from being faithful to God's mm-hmm. word and mm-hmm. uh, the authority of scripture and those kind of things. I mean, we are, right. we are fuller students, right, so we correct. do believe that scripture <laughs> is authoritative in our lives. Yes, of course. Um, and yet, you know, like, it's helpful, though, to have some of these thinkers push a little bit and, mm-hmm. and like you said kind of uh, turn the gem for us to see it in maybe ways we haven't before mm-hmm. um, so I- any other podcasts that you you want to just kind of note or, or riff on for a second yeah I mean I'll shout out because uh, I'm a fuller student student uh, Mark Laverton's podcast conversing uh, he's had a really great guest on Krista, Krista Tippett was on uh, Willie Jennings, who talked on race, was a really tremendous podcast. Uh, I'll shout out that one. Um, the Liturgist is all over the place, but it's a really interesting 
is two men, Michael Gunger, who is a, a, an artist, mm -hmm. and then Mike McArgue, also called Science Mike, who obviously is coming from a science vein. They have a great dynamic together, and they both, from different ways, kind of chip at all of these topics, which has been really formative. But those two are kind of my secondary sources. That's great. That's great. So. Yeah, you know, I... Uh, tying into BI 500 when I took it I took it online yeah. um, but it was hilarious because it was my class that I was taking during the summer of my transition from uh, San Diego to uh, Glendale to where I live now okay and uh, I started my master's work in January of 2016 uh, and I would commute from San Diego up to Orange County uh, which was 70 miles or whatever or 80 miles so it would take me like an hour and a half and um, so I'd only do night classes, you know, and, right. uh, I only did one, uh, did I do two terms of doing that? I think I did one term of doing that and then a whole term completely online. Okay. And then I, I took, a um, one class in the summer. Um, and while I was doing that, I was, I was traveling and, uh, we were in kind of moving and yeah, stuff yeah. and, uh, leaving one church and moving to another. And it was just really odd that the professor was a, he was a, a recent PhD graduate, so he's kind of a TA, or not a TA, but an adjunct, um, but he lived in Glendale and was a associate pastor, basically a youth pastor at a church, like around the corner from where I was going to be youth pastor at, so okay. really funny connection there, and in my introduction, you know, usually you have to do something in these classes where you say, like, who you are and stuff, mm -hmm. and so I said that I was in transition from San Diego to Glendale, and uh, so we ended up having coffee after the class. I was glad I got a decent grade in that <laughs> class because otherwise it would have been awkward. Yeah. Um, and, and we got to talking about some different things that were actually like immediate issues. Um, and he, he mentioned this guy Preston Sprinkle. Mm. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't know if you are yes. all familiar I with read, Preston Sprinkle. I think Fight was one of the books that he wrote. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've heard sounds, of sounds uh, familiar. So uh, Preston writes from, a, I think, a Methodist some vein of the Methodist Church. Okay. Um, and the Methodist Church is, um, all, you know, in many ways, uh, a movement that's kind of confused about what to do with uh, LGBTQ mm. um, issues and people and ordination of ministers and those kind of things and inclusion. And so, um, you know, I think the guy I was talking to, um, he's from the United Methodist Movement, and I think... Uh, Preston is kind of this voice within their heritage, their broader heritage, um, of saying, you know, I'm going to uphold the scriptures that seem to say, you know, the Bible seems to say that this isn't right, this mm -hmm. isn't the right way of living, and yet he's so loving and kind mm -hmm. and generous and hospitable to people um, in the LGBTQ community. And so his books that I his book that I read was uh, People to Be Loved. Oh, okay. Um, and on the recommendation of this of this pastor um, and and professor here, who was saying, you know, I don't know, my my church seems to be moving towards inclusion and mm -hmm. um, even ordination of of gay ministers, but uh, I don't know where I stand with my integrity mm -hmm. of, of scripture mm -hmm. um, with that. And this guy seems to be one who writes to that. So I, I've kind of, I read his book, People to Be Loved, yeah, um, and not really sure what, you know, 
what to do with my own feelings about scripture in this way. Mm-hmm. But uh, his podcast now is, I, I stumbled upon it. Um, I didn't even know he was doing a podcast, uh, but it's called Theology on the Raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, his like intro is, is something about um, not your typical Sunday school answers, uh, or this is not your mother's Sunday school oh, or whatever okay. like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so he does a lot of Q&A and, and different things. People hmm. submit key questions and then he kind of fields them. And I think his his new uh, studies and some of the stuff he's been writing on is hell and understanding hell. And, Interesting. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know where that's taking me, but he's almost a voice in some ways that... Um, has gone to the brink of the progressive thing, but then like speaks from the conservative side of it to mm. those to those issues. So he doesn't shy away from talking about things that um, you know some of these other podcasts are talking about trip puller right. and things. Right. But he actually is is speaking from the more mm-hmm. uh, conservative right wing hmm. position, which I think is quite interesting uh, to have that podcast set amongst these other podcasts yeah. that maybe. Um, not taking for granted that people are there already, but you know, I think at least a couple of the times I've listened to things on homebrewed, and I think on Bible for normal people, there's uh, I've seen some. There's where it's like they'll have guests on there that go, yeah, no, the Bible isn't talking about mm-hmm. um, gay marriage here at all, right. and it doesn't have you know that's just it's not on the right. same wavelength with what we talk about. Yeah. And yet Preston is saying you're right, and that's true. The Bible's talking about something else here. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, the Bible still speaks to uh, people that are in this, and mm-hmm. it still speaks to us as people who want to be faithful to God's Word and faithful mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what's going on there. And um, So it, that's been an interesting podcast for me. Yeah. He doesn't shy away from those issues, but at the same point, he, um, he speaks from a more conservative stance. And he lives, I think, in Boise, Idaho, so I guess that's kind of yeah. makes sense, you know. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so podcasts are really important, and I, don't, I have no idea if uh, this podcast will be one of those uh, thought-provoking podcasts, but I think, I think it already has been for me. Yeah, so. for sure. And it's important for people just to know that these conversations are being had just for the podcasts, uh, those involved with the pos- podcast themselves, you know, sitting down with people who may not agree with you on mm-hmm. everything, and not hashing it out, but just being together and talking, which I think is helpful to hear because I think a lot of times in Christianity, we have a more buttoned-down approach to this person has it all together, I don't dare talk approach, which I don't, it's not real. It's not yeah. reality of the situation. So No, that, that's super. That's super good. Um, so as, as we kind of shift the discussion here away from just podcasts and things, um, you know, I, well, I want to go back to what you were saying about um, your your kind of uh, real job, if mm-hmm. you will, yeah, yeah. <laughs> teaching music, right. and uh, and let's press into that a little bit. I mean, I I think um, there's so much to uh, the relationship between music and theology and um, and our relationship with God. Um, we've talked and joked a little bit about, and you probably are, are familiar with through some of the podcasts. Um, that you've listened to about the Churches of Christ love-hate relationship with music, (laughs) Uh Um, our limited view of of music being just a cappella. But it it Mm -hmm. comes from a deep desire. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but uh, from, uh, you know, reading, a a close reading of Colossians uh, 3, Mm -hmm. uh, 16 and 17, and Ephesians 5, 
19 and 20, which basically say the same thing. They speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, um, singing with melody in your heart to God. Hmm. Um, and I think the Colossians text ends with whatever you do, be thankful. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're to give this gratitude praise from a melody within our hearts. And uh, the toe-the-line the thing is, well, there's no, there's no permission to have instruments. So yeah. uh, just singing is good. Huh. But, um, but our songs and the way we sing is four-part harmony. It's very musical. That's it's, great. You know, we, we actually, in our church, project the shape notes. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I think I've actually found that there's a lot of people in my church tradition that are passionate about music. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, show it in a kind of quirky way. Uh-huh. But so I'm curious, um, since I do come from a music musical family, my mom played violin in oh, high nice. school, was part of symphonies and things. Uh, my brother is a cellist and, and now plays guitar, mm-hmm. piano, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of been more on the periphery. I, I dabble a little bit in guitar and yeah, a little bit in yeah. piano, but not, not much. Um, so tell me a little bit about your, you know, how did you get into being a music teacher? And, I, and tell us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. Well, first off, I would be happy if most of the churches I went to sang four-part harmony <laughs> a cappella rather than Chris Tomlin or Oceans or any of these songs. Yeah. I, I kind of squirm in my chair. Yeah, we're singing them. But anyways, yeah. So I was uh, music was always yeah, just kind of a a safe place for me um, when I was younger. My parents used to joke that I was the kind of like example of music calming the wild beast, or oh. curing the monster, or whatever whatever way you want to put it. Um, but yeah, I always uh, always enjoyed music. Um, but I really didn't get serious about it until like ninth grade when I started learning piano. But then I went to undergrad for uh, piano and studied. Um, and I just, I initially wasn't gung-ho about music education. You know, I, I saw it as kind of a dying subject in schools and it continues to be undervalued. But then I realized that if this is an element that we're just kind of kind of toss out with no one fighting or trying to think of better ways to approach it, that I don't know, that would just be a shame to not have that element in our culture. So initially, I kind of combated being a music teacher, but eventually it just kind of led there. In Boston, I was a, a music teacher from for pre-K all the way to eighth. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah, so a big swath. Uh, and then now I'm a music teacher in LA from fourth grade to eighth grade. But there, I, there, my philosophy, in general, my philosophy of music is somewhat similar to theology mm-hmm. in that um, music is not meeting people where they can respond to it. It's, it's become either highly specialized and you either have the gift or you don't. Oh, I can't sing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't play. And then you don't have to take it after you take maybe an intro course in middle school. You never have to take it in high school. Or it's, and um, my approach to it is you need to be able to respond to the changes that are going on around, around you. And that, for music, for me, that was trying to incorporate a lot more pop, trying to incorporate what kids were actually listening to, and less singing, you know, Soul Fedge, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, 
for learning, you know, these um, wood uh, bells or classroom instruments or recorders just out of necessity because we've done it that way for mm. 40 years in music education. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. For me, it's, it's a love-hate relationship with music um, because it is, it, is a, it is a real challenge, you know. I have a lot of the times when I'm teaching my kids, especially 7th and 8th graders, where there's no understanding of the value of music in culture. And honestly, sometimes I really question what is the role of music in culture if <laughs> our only way of assessing value is if it's going to get me a job mm. or I'm, if I'm going to get money. And let's be honest, music isn't going to do that for you. Um, but I think it's a good, I think it's a good kind of fight to be in because I think what, I think what matters above all is that we're able to retain mystery, which I think is disappearing a lot, just retaining mystery. And I think music gives that to us. For me personally, it gives me that sense of, I'm so, I'm so driven by knowing and words and intellectual arguments and proving that a lot of the times I just feel so inept and not confident in where I am. But then music taps into an element to tell me like, no, there is another plane out there that value is where value is also where where God can speak to us where you can f you can uh, experience truth rather than just intellectual rationality so yeah I, I think music's been really helpful for me yeah man that is packed a lot in there yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that's, sorry. no that's great that's great uh, I mean I was just making all these connections to what you're talking about with how how you mentioned that music is really like theology and how we relate to it like the love-hate relationship mm -hmm. um, is there in theology too. That we yeah. um, we find it being less and less valued in culture, and what it what does it mean? And yet, mm -hmm. and uh, we boil it down even in education of theology or even church Sunday schools. Like, well, what is this going to do for me? Is this going to get me a job? Uh, is this going to mm -hmm. you know help me out? And um, and so we just we find ourselves kind of wanting to only deal with the things that we can rationally know and not really deal with the mystery. Right. Um, so there are so many connections that you made. I mean, just as you were talking about music, I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast again <laughs> and probably write them down because yeah. um, it was it was great. Uh, you, we, we were talking a little bit about this beforehand um, that, uh, that you connect to this other dimension. You, you talked a little bit about that just now. Right. Uh, beyond the rational. Mm -hmm. So, help us under you know help us understand that a little bit. I think you describe music as this. Essentially, it's it's vibrations in your ear. Yeah, that I mean, make people feel things. So, <laughs> what do you what do you what do you mean I by mean, that? I mean, if you want if you want to boil it down, in part scientifically, you know, music is vibrations that our ear picks up and amplifies, and we hear it a certain way. And <laughs> how you combine vibrations and pulling a string either tight or loose and changing pitch based off of that you know it's just such a I don't know it's just such a raw experience that sets human experience uh, sets kind of like the human mind on these lofty ideas and really gives us an understanding of things outside of 
how organic music is. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's so basic. It's just vibrations in our ears that we pick up. But that it's able to offer up this whole other dimension, like I said. Um, yeah, it just, it's, it's been so fruitful to understand that. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's a different way to no less uh, wise way to approach truth in the world, I think. Um, I mean, truth in the, the sense of like, um, our, what, what is kind of deeper down than just like intellectual truth. Like it's not just knowledge that we're talking about here. Mm. We're, we're probably talking a little bit about what is true about the human experience. Mm, mm -hmm. um, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. It's not, it's not just knowledge, but I think, I mean, the great example of music is its ability to connect people who may not even speak mm. the same language, may mm -hmm. not even have the same experiences. Um, in my own experience, I so I worked for a large community for two years. Um, a large community is just a community for adults with disabilities, uh, where it's a very organic lifestyle. It's not setting aside these people so we don't see them, but they live in the community with assistance. Um, and I was part of this community, and some of these uh, adults that I was with and got to be in a relationship with, the biggest connection we ever would have is when we went around the dinner, dinner table, table and sung the doxology mm. or listened to music. And this is a connection um, that the ability isn't there, you know, for us yeah. to talk and hash out, how do you feel? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, but no, it was a connection through music, a connection through a shared experience of just listening, once again, to vibrations, which was, I don't know, just a fascinating experience for me. And it was just, I, got, I feel like I peeled the curtain back a little bit about how do I think about the world in general? Is it really just, if you're able to understand this argument, able to read this book, mm -hmm. able to rationalize that, then you attain value, that you mm -hmm. attain virtue. Like it's, you have a certain status as a PhD, as a doctor, right. that you have attained value because you have status. But I think in some ways it's the other, other way around. It's like you develop the virtues and that in, its, in and of itself, it gives you status because in my experience, I was talking to, I was with, not talking, I was with adults with disabilities who had no, no language function, mm -hmm. uh, very inhibited cognitive fun function, but yet, I almost felt like I was learning from them. Mm -hmm. uh, something that I never could read in a book or experience through an argument. So, I don't know, circling back to, I think that's how music has functioned. And that's how I think it really gives us, like you said, that deeper connected connection with people or community. And just the deeper feelings that sometimes we can't rationalize, but mm -hmm. we share together through other means. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I, I think, I mean, it, it, uh, it has repetitive nature. Mm. It has, um, there's mathematics to it. My yeah, brother right. talks about there's, there's, you know, he studied math actually um, in his undergrad, but yeah. he, he almost had a dual degree in music. So mm. I mean, he's, his passion is music, mm -hmm. but he actually, because he can see patterns in, in mathematics and things, he, 
who's like, this is what's going on in music, too. Yeah. Um, so cool. I need to get him on the podcast, too, to talk about this yes. stuff. Yes, I, I mean, music is not devoid of rationality. We, it would be great to get you and him together to talk about the deeper things yeah. in music. So, um, But he's in China right now, oh, so wow. we'll see if uh, <laughs> that'll happen anytime soon. It's definitely yeah, that's right. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, this conversation with Austin continues in part two. I hope you'll join us for that and be looking for our next few episodes that will be coming out real soon. Uh, a conversation with my barber, Sean Grant, as we talk about diversity and unity and what it means to be Christians uh, in an age where, man, it seems like our country is at the brink uh, with racism. And uh, also, we have some conversations coming up uh, on a mini-series, uh, so be tuning in to those. Those will be about 10 or 12 minute podcasts each uh, on kind of a mini series of spiritual disciplines and ways uh, that you can add value to your life uh, with those things. So uh, be checking those things out coming up at the end of the month. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.